welcome to Myth Monsters. My name is Erin and I'll be your host for these little snack bite-sized podcasts on folklore and mythological monsters from around the world. First off, oh my god, it's the first episode. This is really scary. I've never done anything like this before, so I'm unbelievably excited and I'm just living in the moment. But I really wanted to make this podcast to fill what I thought was the little gap left in this subject in the podcast world, as when I'm hunting for a podcast and I specifically want to focus on learning about the monsters, I don't want to hear about the heroes as well. So this is very much, unless the myth itself has a hero in it and they are pivotal to the story, I'm not going to include them. So we're going to focus on that, the mythos surrounding them and the origin of them across the world. I'll also be dropping in some references that they have to recent culture and where you can see them represented in modern day culture so that you can learn more and get as obsessed as I am with the mythological world. So let's jump right in. Today we're going to look at the hideous gorgons from Greek mythology. And I know what you're thinking. Oh jeez, Erin, everyone knows about Medusa and the gorgons. This is exactly what I think you guys probably sound like. But it's a really good story. And who knows, there might be a few bits in this telling that you don't already know. And how she has shaped and moved into popular culture as we know it today. So what is a gorgon, I hear you ask? The word gorgon comes from the Greek word gorgos, which means grim and dreadful. And they were certainly depicted as so. Generally speaking, the looks of gorgons vary, but they're very typically described as having hair of venomous snakes and an ugliness so foul it would turn anyone who looked upon them to stone. In some tellings, they have wings, boar tusks, bronze claws, as well as this. And shockingly, in others, they're depicted as beautiful, but with the means to be deadly. They're also only ever documented as women. The three sisters in this tale are Steno, Eurale, and their youngest sister, Medusa. The most famous of the three, I imagine you probably already know her. According to the most popular myth, the three Gorgons were born to the primordial sea god Phorkis and his sister, the sea goddess Keto. Both were closely very associated with sea monsters in Greek mythology, and in most myths, the sisters were being introduced also as very beautiful. However, Medusa's beauty attracted Poseidon who eventually raped her in the temple of Athena. Now, Athena, the goddess of wisdom, blamed Medusa for the act and turned her into this monstrous being of the Gorgon. Bit of victim blaming, but you know, Greeks are all over the place with that kind of shizzle, so we'll just let this one slide. Steno and Eurale stood by their sister and they also ended up getting transformed. Seems like a little bit of girl power seemed to bounce back on them, I think. The three Gorgons were similar in many ways. Medusa's name indicated that she was the queen of the group. Steno actually means strong, and Eurale means wide leaping, indicating that they can all be kind of characterised by their physical abilities and their general usage as a Gorgon. The implication that Medusa was the cleverest is also quite interesting because she is also the only one who is listed as mortal. So the other two were completely immortal and eternally youthful, which is kind of ironic because they're both quite hideous. But it's an interesting idea nonetheless. So what was Theno and Eurale like? We have much fewer descriptions of these two than Medusa, but what we do know about them is that they're actually pretty formidable. So Theno means the strong and was said to be the most independent woman and the most ferocious of all three, who killed more than all of her sisters combined, which I think as a Gorgon is pretty damn impressive. 
Uralay was characterized by a fierce and loud cry, and that within general mythology is a sign of a powerful and threatening force. You can kind of link it to the Banshees, the myth of the Banshees, within Irish folklore with that terrifying blood-curdling scream. Now get this, this is my favourite theory of all time. So a couple of historians have actually described the three sisters, had a look, and gone, actually maybe they were inspired by real life sea creatures, which the Greeks would have naturally seen in the Mediterranean. In this interpretation, Medusa was inspired by the octopus because she's so smart and has clever beans. Eurylea was inspired by the squid, known for its ability to leap far out of the water. I don't know about any of you, but I've never seen a squid jump out of the water and I think I would poo myself. Lastly, Sleno was inspired by the cuttlefish, which is characterised by its strength. I'm pretty sure cuttlefish can like hack open things with like their little beaks and I know they're like really hard. You can get them on Bournemouth Beach, you know, you can find it's like little husk that you find on the beach. They're horrible things. Moving swiftly on from my hatred of sea creatures, the most famous interpretation of Medusa and her sisters' fate is the story where she is famously beheaded by the hero Perseus, who was sent to get Medusa's head by King Polydectes, because Polydectes really, really wanted to marry Perseus's mum. I know it's a weird token of marriage, or you wouldn't put it on your, on your little checklist when you're getting engaged, but... The Greeks did things differently, and I think we can all agree with that one. So Perseus goes to the island. He beheads Medusa while she sleeps next to her sisters, like a real big man, using the shield from Athena, because again, can't do anything by himself, to basically reflect Medusa's image back at him so that she doesn't turn him into stone. Then takes a big bloody sword and chops her head off with supreme mirror-based slicing skills. Her sisters obviously screamed in agony at the idea of the death of their sister and they tried to grab him on his weird little lame Hermes flying sandals, but they actually failed to grab him. He flew off. But little did good old hero Perseus know that Medusa was actually pregnant by Poseidon when she was killed. And when Perseus beheaded her, Pegasus, the legendary winged horse, and Chrysor, a giant wielding a golden sword, sprang from her body and, it seems, joyfully rode off into the sunset. We're going to talk about Pegasus in another one of these episodes because he's got quite a lot of detail. He fits quite nicely into unicorns as well, but also just as a fun Greek PSA fact, this makes Perseus and Pegasus some weird inter-race cousins. <laughs> because Perseus is the son of Zeus and Pegasus is the son of Poseidon, so it's some weird family reunion thing that I don't think any of us in the modern day would understand. I don't think I can ever say that I've been related to a horse, although my cousin does have a very long face, so... Honestly, I had to stop recording there because I was laughing at my own joke so much. I honestly think I should get one of those sound effects for maybe my next episode. Anyway... <laughs> Medusa's story actually continues beyond her death. So on his way home, he's in Libya already because that's where Medusa lives. He stops in Ethiopia where a very silly Queen Cassiopeia has said that either her or her daughter Andromeda were more beautiful than all the water sprites in the world, which obviously really pissed off our good old god of the sea, Poseidon. And to be fair, it seems like he was already having a pretty rough day. He's fathered a horse that he didn't even know about. <laughs> 
So he decided to attack the town with this horrible sea monster called Cetus. It could be Ketus. It doesn't actually specify. Uh, I tried to run it through a YouTube pronunciation thing, but it didn't seem to pick anything up. So uh, I'm imagining Cletus from The Simpsons, to be honest. <laughs> Perseus picked up Medusa's head, which still had its amazing petrifying gaze qualities beyond the veil and turn the monster to stone it fell apart he marries andromeda yay happy days however according to myth it continues medusa did actually create even more life after she perished be it against her undead will i'm sure but perseus ended up meeting the titan atlas you know the guy who carries the world on his shoulders it's no big deal if you if you didn't know it's pretty pretty big thing <laughs> he got in a massive fight with him big argument about literally nothing and he did the same to him pulled out medusa's head and turned him into what we now know as the atlas mountains in north africa which are still called so today so that's a cool little bit of mythology that you can take on with you and her last little act of giving whilst they were flying over the edge of libya some of her blood dropped onto the earth and formed the libyan vipers so if you're familiar with Jason and the Argonauts, you'll know that these vipers killed the Argonaut Mospos. Unfortunately, it's a huge story. I won't go into it here. If you're interested in the Argonauts, have a look. It's an amazing story, but it's just massive, too big for this podcast. So finally, Perseus gets back home, turns the king and his entire court into stone for just being a total creep to his mum, and then he gives the head of Medusa to Athena, who, in turn, adorns her shield with her likeness. You'll see this on a few statues or anything that you've got Athena-based or see anywhere with Athena on, it will have Medusa's head on her shield. I think... For any normal person like me, it will be a total honour to have Monoggin on someone's shield. However, I think for Medusa, considering Athena was the one who turned her into the Gorgon in the first place, I'd be a bit miffed to then be adorned on her shield. Just Greek god things. Going back to the others, it's actually not said what happens to either Steno or Eurale, and I imagine they just kept chilling on their little island in Libya waiting for more people to come along. Maybe turn them into stone, having a few garden parties with them. Who knows? I think that's a lovely idea. I'd do that with my sisters any day. However, their sister's image lives on. She's one of the most recognised mythological creatures of all time, with a strong representation of a rape survivor, female strength, liberty and protection. And most of you will probably know the Gorgonian, which was used in the ancient world as a really strong protective symbol. Amongst the ancient Greeks, it was the most widely used symbol to ward off evil, and actually people carved them and put them above their doors to ward off nasty visitors. In some Greek myths, blood taken from the right side of a gorgon could bring a dead person back to life, yet blood taken from the left side was actually a horrible poison. It doesn't sound worth the risk for me, Heracles is said to have got a lock of Medusa's hair, which possessed the same qualities as the head, if you're wondering. He got this from Athena after she'd adorned her shield with it and used it for protection for this Greek town against an amazing attack during their history. But outside of myth now, she's a massive figure within art. Most famous is Luciano Gabbati's 2008 sculpture, which is Medusa with the head of Perseus. It portrays her clutching the severed head of Perseus, and it later sparked a feminist avatar in her for the Me Too movement in 2017, which still carries on, obviously, to the present day. 
Numerous pieces of art also feature her face at the centre, the most famous being Caravaggio's Mertola, which was painted in 1596. It was described by a 17th century poet as flee, for if your eyes are petrified in amazement, she will turn you to stone. Medusa also became a very popular icon in designer fashion as the logo of the Italian luxury clothing brand company Versace, which portrays the Gorgon head and features on all of their designs and labels. Gorgons are also in a whole bunch of media. I'm going to talk about video games first because they're my absolute favourite medium. She is portrayed in Dungeons and Dragons, God of War, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, Kid Icarus, League of Legends, and even in Final Fantasy. Medusa, obviously as well, is in loads of movies and TV, the biggest ones being Clash of the Titans, which has the 1981 stop-motion clay animated Medusa, which was terrifying and a monster of my childhood, and the 2010s lion weird snake version, the former definitely being the better of the two. Alongside that, you've got Uma Thurman in Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief. You've got that weird cartoon Monster High where there's a kid called Juice Gorgon, and apparently he's the son of Medusa. And there are also Gorgons in the new Chilling Adventures of Sabrina on Netflix. Now, if you want to read more about Greek mythology, you're an old school nerd like me, I would totally recommend Stephen Fry's Mythos and Heroes books. The latter talks about Perseus and Medusa, but also talks about the other heroes, such as Heracles and Theseus. And the Mythos books talk about mostly the Greeks' creation of the universe and the creation of the Greek gods and people. That one's a really, really good read if you're just into normal Greek mythology. But both books are both really very good. I 100% recommend them for any Greek mythology nerd like me. Now it's time for a bit of, do I think they existed? No, probably not, to be honest. I'm just going to be frank there. I don't think we found any serpentine women skeletons outside of popular myth. And as I mentioned earlier, it might just be that these are based off of their equivalent sea creatures. While we know that petrification does happen with fossils, and people petrified with fear, the actual definition of petrified with fear says petrify is to make something like a stone or to literally turn to stone. But unless you're dumping a whole load of cement on someone, I'm not entirely sure the power to do this exists yet. With that in mind, though, I just want to say that I think, depending on your take on her origin, she's actually a really awesome female character who does take a curse and rape as a really crazy revenge thing in one take. But on the flip side, maybe she lives in solidarity with her sisters because they're so hunted and feared. However, at least we can live in the knowledge that they aren't around right now. And maybe if you're really, really, really ugly. I really wanted to say good looking from Zoolander. I really wanted to. But maybe if you're really, really ugly, someone might put you on a shield one day. Who knows? You might be lucky. Either way, I think Gorgons are one of the more popular monsters that we're going to have on this podcast, but they're always worth exploring. I personally really love the story of Medusa and her sisters myself. I think they're really cool. Snaky boys are always kind of fascinating to learn about for me. But for now, thank you so much for listening. 
It's been an absolute pleasure. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give it a rating on whatever service you're listening on. I've also got a Twitter for any questions or suggestions on what monsters to cover next. And I'd really love to hear from you at Myth Monsters Pod. Or you can get in contact on our Instagram, which is Myth Monsters Podcast. Next week, we have a really cool American folklore tale of the Jersey Devil. So make sure you come along next Thursday and listen in. But for now... Stay spooky, and I'll see you later, babes. Mm-hmm.